to Totalus Rankium. This week, Constantius II. And welcome to Roman Emperors, it's Alice Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, and this is Constantius 2. Sorry, it's episode 61, in case you were worried for a moment there. Gotcha. It's episode 61, and this is Constantius 2. Nice. Nice. Here we are, the third of Constantine's sons. I was very... You're probably more surprised than I was, but I was surprised how much research you found. Yeah, well, no, I wasn't surprised, because I know we come into a new source with lots of detail, but... um. Maybe I wasn't expecting quite so much detail. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot to go through. So there's lots of stuff. Okay, good. So let's, let's jump into it. Constantius II was born on the 7th of August in 317 in Sirmium. Ooh, okay. And this is a city that has also been the birthplace of Aurelian and Probus. <gasps> Looking good. Yeah. It's also the birthplace of Hostilian oh. and Quintilus. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> So, mixed He could go either way. He could go either way. 50-50 chance. <laughs> yeah. He was the second son of Constantine the Great and Fausta. Yeah. His father had just defeated Licinius in that first civil war between them, and the tense peace had settled. Peace. But tense peace. Oh, peace. <laughs> sort of straining peace. Yeah. yeah, strained peace. Strained. Like, you really need to go to the toilet, but you were a bit blocked up. But... Ooh. But it's a nice, peaceful day. It's okay. It's okay. There's no rush. You're not due out soon. <laughs> yeah. You've got time. You've got time. <laughs> that was the peace between the Constantine <laughs> and Lysidius. So, and that peace, somewhat disgustingly, is what Constantius II was born into. Yeah, that's what the two stood for. <laughs> Joke of the day already. So Ooh. we're not going to beat that. I don't think we are. So we might as well give up now. He grew older and he died. Oh. The end. <laughs> no, let's go on. A couple of years later, he had a little brother. Not him. Well, no, it was his brother. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, you know His brother. parents gave birth to his brother, little Constans. Oh, yeah, I remember him. And he's already got an older brother called Constantine, who's one year older than him. Mm. And a really older brother, half-brother called Crispus. Who died. Who dies. At the age of seven... With his father beating Licinius the second time, he was elevated to the role of Caesar. Right. As a seven-year-old. Oh, wow. Pressure's on there. Imagine the whole, like, generals walking to his little tent. Sire, yeah. what do we do? Let go! <laughs> yeah. People complain about the, the pressure the sats test to children nowadays. <laughs> I mean, come on, at least we're not making them into Caesars. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So it was not long after this that his father killed his mother and his eldest brother, as we've covered in the last two episodes. Nice. I think Constantius didn't see that. Oh, you think he wasn't there? No, I think he wasn't there. The other two were there. He he sort of missed it. See if you change your mind on that by the end of the episode. Maybe, though, he came back and saw the aftermath. Maybe he was charged cleaning it up. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Constantine just takes... Little baby Constans and Constantine too walks out the room with them, just saying, "There you go, boys. It's a very important lesson you've learned." Oh, Constantius, just, just tidy up in there, would you? That's a good yes, lad. Daddy. Yeah, maybe that's what happened. <laughs> Mummy, <laughs> it's very grim, isn't it? We haven't even finished the jigsaw. <laughs> I saved the last piece for you. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Constantine was horrible. He was horrible. Gosh. He was. Right. Constantius was given a Christian education and seemed to take it quite seriously. He became more involved in the church than even his father did in later life. Okay. So he took his religion seriously. But he also would have studied the classics back in this time. Yeah. Early Christianity, huge respect for the classics. Like Greek and... Yeah. Yeah. That's it, really. Homer. A bit of classic Latin in there as well. Not as respected as the Greek, no. but, yeah. Probably learnt about triangles and Pythagoras oh. and... Theorems. Theorems, yeah. Humours. That's a slapstick. It's an awful joke about humour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just meta and ironic. Yes. So many levels to it. It's, it's great. great. <laughs> yeah. People at home going, what? The hell am I tuning into this week? Anyway, his education. For a couple of years, Constantius shadowed his dad during fighting on the Danube region. Sometimes with his elder brother Constantine, sometimes not. At one point, still a teenager here, he was left in charge of Trier while his father went off to fight. Ooh, so he's actually given a responsibility. Yes, yes he was. So it's sort of a parallel education to Constantine by yeah. the looks of it. They weren't together all the time, but very similar things were going on. So Greek book in one hand, running someone through the other. Yes. Nice. Probably delivering a witty quote whilst <laughs> it happened. Or work out the angles. Yeah. Saw slashes. Cosine minus sign. I have no <laughs> idea how you do that anymore. I was taught in secondary school. I've never used a cosine since. I remember hearing about it, but <laughs> yeah. you did calculated, didn't you? Yeah, you did, didn't you? It's like the sin button. Oh, you sign, sin. Sin, sign, cosine and tangent. What? Was there a tangent, or was that me going on a tangent? Probably both. Who knows? So it was not long until his father decided that he should go and learn the land that he was going to control. Become a farmer? Well, not really, no. Not not in that sense. Okay. Get the lay of the land. Oh, right. Yes. So if you remember, Constantine went to Gaul to do this. Yes, he did. We theorised that Constans went to Italy to do this. Constantius is heading east. Ooh. As mentioned last week, the Praetorian prefect, Ablarius, was in Antioch, ruling the Orion's diocese. Orion's just meaning east. Ah, that's where the word Orient comes that's from. That's where the word Orient comes from, yes. Constantius was sent to Ablarius to pick up some experience. Doing what? You'll find out. (laughs) However, Constantine the Great must have known that this was going to be very much a jump into the deep end type of experience. Mm. He just sent his son off to the east, and at the same time had sent a letter to Sharpur too, that all the Christians in Sharpur's land were now his. Uh, Well, Sharpur's not going to like that. Nope. And Constantius is now over there ruling the area. Ooh. Yeah. So things were, were tense in the region. <laughs> yeah. More tension. Yeah, yeah. Less peaceful tension this time. <laughs> this time you, you... You're wedging out with a stick, aren't you? Yeah, your train's due in 15 minutes. You've not even left Ooh. the house yet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that kind of tension. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> so it was understandable things were getting tense. Yeah, they would be, wouldn't they? Constantine had essentially declared war on Sharpov at this point. Yeah. So there were some skirmishes. The Romans were taken by surprise to begin with, but were able to fight back and then defeat and kill the Persian general, Ooh. who was none other than Sharpov II's brother. Ooh. Yes. So this is Constantius as Caesar with Abelabus yeah. defeating Sharpov II's brother in battle, killing him. That's pretty good. Yes, that's some yeah. 
some props there. Yeah, definitely. However, Persia then invaded Armenia. Yeah. <laughs> the war is on. It was then that news came through to Constantius that his father was ill. Oh. So ill, in fact, he was near death. Oh, dear. Constantius and Ablabius. Yeah. Who I think I keep saying slightly differently, but... That's all right. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun word to say. Ablabius. Ablabius. Yeah. Ablabius. Kind of bubbles off the tongue. So, upon hearing the news, Constantius and Ablabius set off straight away, hoping to see the emperor one more time before his death. But they were not quick enough. Word soon reached them that the great Constantine was dead. Gong. 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 Is that someone who's been following them with a gong? Yeah. Literally for years, waiting for his moment. Yeah. And this is now his moment to yeah. shine. Death gong. Death gong. It's what, what Constantine yeah. brought in. Oh, didn't we used to have an irony gong? Probably. Yeah. Is it a bell? I don't know. Oh, well. What is it on the Pink Floyd album? We're, we're, we're okay. just off the irony gong, whatever it used to be used for. Death gong, it's now a death gong. Yeah. yeah. Got one man. The truth is, only one man, so they, he followed Constantine around, but he, he missed out Constans and he missed out oh, Constantine too. It's a tough job. That's why he didn't go off. Yes. Maybe this episode? Gilbert. G- Gilbert the gonger. Yeah, Gilbert the gonger. <laughs> he brings the death gong. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So, <laughs> Gilbert was happily gonging away. Huge grin on his face. He's finally got a job to do. <laughs> Constantius, however, devastated. Yeah. But he was the closest of the three Constantinian sons to Constantinople. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Constantius was closer to Constantinople than Constans and Constantine. What? <laughs> You've got to love their names. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, middle brother who we're doing okay. this week, yeah. closest to Constantinople. Yeah. Yeah. So he realised he'd be able to get back first and organise the funeral. Now, whether he saw this as a solemn duty or a great PR opportunity, who knows? <laughs> Either way, he continued his journey back to Constantinople. And this is when the massacre of the Constantinians happens. Oh, that's... Didn't he organise it? Well, let's find out, shall we? Because remember it happening? Yes. Wasn't it Constans that... No. Constantinian... Constantine too. No. Oh, so it must have been Constantius too. Well, we'll see. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, but I'm just... Yeah. A bit of suspense. Come Sorry. on, Jamie, a okay. bit of suspense. <laughs> Who knows? You'll see, you'll see. As All you right. can see in my notes here, the subheading is just... Massacre. Yes. So let's start with the facts, and then we can decide what happened. Yes. Based on pure <laughs> speculation. Yay! So within weeks, if not days, of Constantine the Great's death... Two of Constantius's uncles and six of his cousins were dead. <laughs> Including the Caesars who we talked about last week. Oh, yeah. Dalmatius and Hannibal. <laughs> cut down by soldiers. Yeah. In one swoop, the males in the Constantinian family were halved. Literally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's not quite what I meant, but yes. <laughs> Only three young boys are spared due to their age. Now, you are going to want to make a note of these three boys. Go. One is called Julian. Julian? Yeah. <laughs> one is called Julius N, we'll just call him. And one is called Gallus. And they're all around seven to ten years old. Okay. So, they didn't die. Good. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? But, everyone else did. Mm. So, how did this happen? We have two options. Brilliant. Option number one, and I've called this option 
What have you done, you monsters? Okay. <laughs> right, this option relies on the idea that the soldiers loved Constantine the Great right. and his sons and saw the rise of Dalmatius and Hannibal as a, as a power play from the unpopular branch of the family. Right. So once Constantine the Great was dead, Dalmatius and Hannibal, who were both in Constantinople, right. started to make it obvious that they were actually in the succession plan. Okay. And in particular, Dalmatius was saying things like, actually, I'm in charge of the city now. Uncle Constantine said I could have it. Yeah. Me, 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 yeah. me. This outraged the soldiers. Mm. They weren't the sons of the great Constantine. How dare they say they're uncharged? They saw this as a usurpation and they wanted the sons of their beloved emperor to rule. So the soldiers turned on the family, murdered all they could get their hands on, leaving the children because perhaps that's going a little bit far. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> When Constantius hears about what happened, he was horrified. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is such a terrible. Oh, you're, you're terrible getting into thing. option two there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is option one. He right, was genuinely sorry. terrified. Oh my god. Yeah, a bit more like that. I can't live with myself. But what could he do? The deed's done. Oh well, live with <laughs> Yeah. So he might as well go along. Yeah, every yeah. clown, yeah. Yeah. So that's option number one. What have you done, you monsters? Yeah. Okay. Option number two which I've called, oh no, <laughs> please stop killing my family, the horror, you, you've missed one over there. <laughs> Quite similar. Constantine dies, Constantius gets back to the capital and presides over the funeral. Several meetings take place between Constantius, Dalmatius and Hannibal, and probably also all the adults yeah, in yeah. the room, so all the half-brothers and sisters of Constantine as right. well. Constantius not happy with how these meetings were going. Ooh. People were saying things like, you're not in soul charge. No. Constantius didn't like that. So, Constantius set up some meetings of his own. Probably in car parks. Ooh. Under Constantinople. Nice. That same one that Athanasius had to yeah, go to. No lights. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of money exchanged in a dark yeah. corner. Overnight, the men of the family are all killed, leaving only the young boys and the women. Constantius awakes to find the soldiers have carried out these horrible plans. The shock, the horror. Oh my god. So, those are our two options. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm going for? Two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems very obvious it's two here. Yeah. It just... it Option one just seems very unlikely. Constantius is so obviously the winner here. It's very <laughs> obvious he instigated everything. I mean, I mean, again, we can't just say it's obvious. There has to be evidence for that. However, yeah, it is bloody obvious, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So we are fully blaming Constantius for this. And you'll be pleased to know that almost all historians support us on this Oh, good. One. Yes. Yay. It is widely... Does that mean we're historians now? I think so. That's the test. Yes. <laughs> we just need to get something right. Yes. Yeah. So there we go. I'll put on your historian hat. Yeah. Oh, do you like it? Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's made out of tinfoil. Yeah. I like the word history... Written yeah. on the top. And on the back says Orion. History Orion. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, whichever way it happened, even though yeah. we're saying it was definitely option two, there are now only three brothers left and three young children in the entire Constantine family. Do they come back into it? They come back into it. Okay. Yeah. 
So perhaps in order to distance himself from the massacre, Constantius left the city to go and do some Samartian <laughs> killing. Do you think he's like Constantius too is walking out of the city and then sort of just taps on the shoulder, say, you, you've got, you're leaving bloody footprints <laughs> yeah. wherever you walk. Yeah, you might go and have a shower before you go. <laughs> People are talking. <laughs> I'll burn the plans. <laughs> you left them on your desk. And so I just, could you stop cackling? <laughs> the optics are all wrong on this. <laughs> And I get rid of the moustache you keep twirling. <laughs> yeah. So, after he was finally convinced to wash off the blood and stop laughing and shave his twirling moustache, he went to the Danube area to do some barbarian fighting. It's here that he first met Athanasius. Oh, yeah. Our, our wandering priest. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't really know what happened in this meeting, but we can assume that he wasn't particularly impressed by the man. Didn't really share his views, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cons- He's an Aryan, isn't he? He is an Aryan. So, um, yeah, he probably said something along the lines of, Oi, don't you go messing about, pal. Which sounds really rubbish, but when mm. Constantius still had the dried blood of his relatives on him, Ooh. It's actually a little bit more intimidating. And half a moustache because you only shake half it off. <laughs> so wild looking hair. Yes. Twirly eyes. <laughs> so he then meets with his brother in that meeting we've already discussed oh, yeah. two times before where they carve out the map. So I won't go over that again. Yeah. But we know Constantius gets the east. Yeah. Yes. And Constantinople. So now we go on to the next stage, which I will call Sharpur II and the Persians, <laughs> which is also a jazz band. <laughs> that sounds great Yeah. so bit of a diversion here as we look at the Persian Empire for a little bit the last time we looked at the Persian Empire Narsus was in charge you might be forgiven for forgetting about him he is the one who was defeated by Galerius and then went to the tent with Diocletian and had to haggle and gave in and there was peace for 40 years oh yeah yeah well that 40 years is now up oh <laughs> yes. excellent yeah, so... <laughs> she has a timer. Yeah. Big sand timer. <laughs> Thanks. Shall put or two just looked up at the wall. It's like, oh, it's that time already, is it? Brilliant. Right. Let's go. Off we go. That's that peace treaty done. Let's go and get ourselves another hat stand. <laughs> yes. Narcissus had not lasted long after being forced to give the stuffed Valerian back. No. People were very <laughs> sad. They no longer had a place to hang their hats. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, he was succeeded by his son, Hormizd. I am butchering that. I'm not even going to attempt to spell that. There's a Z and a D together, which for a start is... Hormidzd. 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 Hormidzd, yeah. Hormidzd. Two. Hormidzd two. Yes. He didn't last long either. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Well, that was a waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) That all effort. Yes, it was. Yeah, he was killed by Arabian raiders. Ooh. Yes, they have different kinds of barbarian raiders in the Persian okay. Empire. Yeah, you didn't get big hairy people from the north. You got wily, wily people from the desert coming in, nomads. Yeah. Just, due to watching Disney, I've just got Aladdin in my head. <laughs> yes, probably. Did you know Aladdin, the original story, was set in China? Yes, I did know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been listening to the Myths and Legends podcast, which was recommended to us by oh, our listeners. Oh. And yeah, it's like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, there you go. Right. Hormids, too, had three sons. Okay. Yes. They were all in turn killed, blinded, and imprisoned by the ruling class, who decided it was time for change. So they were killed, then blinded. No, no. 
the, put into... the eldest brother was killed. Oh, okay. The second one was blinded. The third one was imprisoned. Yes, it is sounding a bit like a fairy tale at this point. Yeah. <laughs> prison one escape and the, prison and the one... blind one with a dog. The prison one did escape, actually, but doesn't come back into our story, All but right. managed to escape to Constantinople. Oh, that's nice. At some point in the future. Right. Yes. Hormitz did have a widow, however. Okay. Yes. And this widow was pregnant. So the ruling class decided, we need a new king, we need a king who we can control. <laughs> so let's crown Hormit's fourth child. Someone pointed out, not born yet. <laughs> Still... There's nowhere to put the crown. No, yeah, exactly. It's on the belly. Well, that's what they did. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well done. Excellent. Yes, they crowned the unborn child in the mother's womb, placing the crown on her belly. Did the fetus give a speech? Yes. Oh. Yeah, it was like the king's speech. Oh. Yeah, because he couldn't speak very well, so he needed oh. someone to help him. Oh. Yeah. He needed an Australian, a jaunty Australian to help him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Now, we don't know if this is true, but if it is, this makes Shahpur too the youngest monarch in history, being literally minus something when he was crowned. That's a good point. He was king until he died. Yeah. 70 years later. Wow. Yeah. So he was actually king for longer than he was alive. That's mental. So he reigned for 70 years? Yeah, 70 year reign. It's quite impressive, isn't it? Even now, that's... Even our queen's only reigning for 60-something. Yeah, yeah. I say reigning, head of state. Yeah. (laughs) Doing whatever she does. But yeah, there you go. That's mental. 70-year reign. And yeah, it's like an ancient lifespans were a lot shorter. But I guess he got the best medical care. Yes, he would have done. But would arguably poor medical care, though. Oh, it swings around the bounce. So, this was in 309. Shahpur II grew, and as soon as he was old enough, he went out to avenge the death of his father with a series of attacks on the Arabian tribes in the region. At the age of about 20, he receives word from the mighty Roman emperor, Constantine the Great, that Constantine considers himself ruler of all the Christians, even in Persia. Oh dear. So young Shahpur was not happy about this, started to prepare for the inevitable war between the two empires. It didn't help that news came through that Constantine the Great had named his nephew, Hannibal, <laughs> King of Kings of Persia. So I'm, oh, hang on, that's me! Yeah, I'm the King of Kings. I'm the King of King of Kings. Yeah. <laughs> Squared. That's what he did. Yeah. Fine, if he's King of Kings, I'll just keep adding them. <laughs> just got to the point where they're just saying plus one. <laughs> plus two, plus infinity. Infinity's word. It's the same thing. Shut up. Yeah. Infinity's our number. Yes, it is. No, it's, it's really con- not. It's a concept. Yeah. <laughs> Back and forwards in letters. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, Shahpur II, hearing that the Emperor's son Constantius was now in Syria to oversee the region, sent his brother to go and create some fuss in Ooh. the area so he could go up to Armenia and remove the king there making sure his northern border was secure. Yeah. This works perfectly, yeah. but does cost the king his brother's life. Yeah. So that, oh, well done Constantius earlier. Well done to Constantius, he won that. Yeah. But it was only a ploy. It was a decoy. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's sad for his brother, though, Shackle's brother. Say, I've got a really big job for you. <laughs> You're going to be great at this. Give him a very small army. <laughs> Blunt his swords. No, give him the plastic one. I have every faith that you'll be able to do at least this task well. <laughs> Off you go. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Aww. So, Shapur took out the Armenian king and replaced him with a puppet. Not a literal one. Oh, that'd be creepy. <laughs> yeah. 
Hello. <laughs> it's a weird sock pocket. No hand. Just a... Yes. What the hell? Or somebody actually standing there, just have the sock on one hand, elbow on the throne. Yeah. Guy standing behind. I will see you now. <laughs> bow down. Execute him. Dismissed a sock. No. <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> kill them all. That's atrocious. Kill him. You oh. can't kill me. Yeah, it was an interesting <laughs> dynamic in the, in the politics of Armenia at the time. Yeah. Yeah. A weird face. So, Puppet King and Armenia. Armenia is now fully under the control of the Persians. War is now definitely on. Yeah. And he was delighted to hear that Constantine the Great had died. Yes. Yes. Not only that, had left the most ridiculous succession plan imaginable. This was <laughs> going to knock the Romans out for a while. Shapur was thinking good thoughts. Win win. And this catches us up, obviously, with Constantius's story. Yeah. So, Shapur then heads to the closest Roman stronghold to him, Nisibis, taking with him Persian and Armenian troops, siege towers, war elephants, yes. catapults, battering rams, and anything else he could think of. He was obviously flicking through the catalogue the night before. Oh, yeah. Want one of them? Yeah. Want one of them? <gasps> Four of them. Oh, I'm having the elephants. <laughs> yes! Get me some elephants. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, they're on back order till next Tuesday. Oh, they're not on Prime. <laughs> <laughs> gotta wait a week. I've got to pay for delivery. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Roger. Oh, tough week for him <laughs> that week. Twelve elephants. Yeah. yeah. So Constantius, on the other hand, was in a weaker position than he was before. Now he might be emperor now, but before he was working for his father, who yeah. had control of the whole empire. So if Constantine the Great wanted to, he could send everyone east. Yeah, yeah. Constantius now only had a third of the army at his disposal. So although he was now emperor rather than Caesar, he was actually weaker than he was before. Good point, yeah. However, fortunate for Constantius, the siege of Nisibis was not going well for Shapur. The walls there were holding, and the Sally battles that were taking place were taking the toll on his forces. A bit of disease spreading around the camp as well. Ooh. Things were not going too well. And then news comes through that Constantius had finally returned to the east. So Shapur cuts his losses and retreats. Constantius, barely having to fight, had managed to push the Persians back. He then looked north to Armenia. Now, this was a problem. This new puppet king that the Persians had put on the throne... <laughs> Hello! ...was actually turning out to be quite popular with the people. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, boys and girls! <laughs> yeah, but not loads of shows. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, everyone loved it. It was great. So, there was no chance of a popular uprising against this new king of the Armenians. Yeah. Constantius knew he had to do something. So what to do? Take down the puppet. Well, he could do that, but the people loved the puppet by this point. Rumours spread spread propaganda. <sighs> Maybe posters of, like, Chucky up. Ooh, yeah. yes. yes. Or, oh, what's that one? Magic. With uh, Anthony Hopkins in. Anthony Hopkins. That's a creepy film. I've not seen it, I don't think, but I think I know the one you mean. He, he's, just, he's a ventriloquist guy and it's just oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, it's easy to... Yeah. Yeah. Not a sock puppet, but you're in the same territory. So, yeah, yeah. 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 No, he doesn't do that either, although that could have worked. Now, he decides the best way to deal with the new rulers of Armenia was to praise them as loudly as he could Ooh. and buy them gifts. Um, he figured that if they're willing to revolt for the Persians, well, why not for the Romans for the right price? Uh, it works yeah. perfectly. With very little fuss, Constantius managed to turn an enemy into an ally. 
Nice. <laughs> yeah. It helped that Shahpur had just been pushed back, and rumours of his treatment to the Armenians that he had with him had started to spread throughout Armenia. Yeah. Apparently Shahpur wasn't being too kind to his um, Armenian troops that he had requested when he had taken over Armenia. Okay. Yeah. So, Sok's still in charge. Nice. But now the Roman robot. Yes. He just tied a little <laughs> little robot. Purple handkerchief. Yeah. So it was around this point that Constantius decides to get rid of his longtime advisor, Ablabius. Perhaps he finally felt secure enough to go it alone. Or perhaps he always disliked the man and saw him as a babysitter. So hmm. Ablabius was sent away and quietly executed. Yeah, what? Why? <laughs> because it's Constantius. Is he going to score high and crazy here? Because he's... <laughs> I don't know. It's a little bit suspicious, isn't it? Not, there's not really any details of why. There's no suggestion that Ablabius revolts, but um, yeah, Constantius just quietly gets rid of him. I think he's got the blood of his family on his cheeks. Still flaking off <laughs> years later. Yes, probably. So by this time, word comes through from his younger brother, Constans. No. Just wanted to write to you. Constantine's dead. I killed him, sorry. Hope you don't mind. Love and kisses, Constans. <laughs> Constantius, as we covered last week, didn't really do much to respond to this. No. He was too busy fighting Shahpur, and it seems like he didn't really get on with Constantine anyway. So when Constans said, shall we damnatio memoriae him, harden in the face, Constantius went, yeah, okay, whatever, I'm, I'm fighting the Persians, just, just do whatever, do whatever you, want. you want. Yeah, I'm fighting the Persians. So... He carries on fighting the Persians. Yeah, yeah. Constantius and Shahpur attack each other for a while, neither of them really getting the upper hand. One day Shahpur gathers a large portion of his forces and crossed into Mesopotamia, mm. aiming to capture the town of Singara. Constantius, hearing of this, ordered that none of his troops attack. Do not attack him. You're going to be overwhelmed. Wait there. I'll be there soon. So just, with reinforcements. Yeah, just, just hold in. Yeah, hold in. Don't try and attack him. Which they do. They listen to him. I heard this thing whether um, like with sieging, like you need like one third of the amount to protect against a siege, and you need like two thirds more to formulate a siege. Oh, siege ratio. Yeah, apparently there is actually a, a ratio, like an optimal. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'll have to look so into it. One third. So, so yeah, I could be a third or a quarter or something. You, could, you need a lot less to to siege. Hold off to be sieged. A siege. So the people on the outside of the walls need, need more, more. A lot more, yeah. Than on the inside of the walls. Many times more, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's just as well if you're on the inside. Oh, yeah. Since you can't get supplies. <laughs> yeah, Unless you've got cow tunnels. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So the troops follow Constantius' orders. They don't attack Sharpor. They wait for the reinforcements. Constantius arrives. Sharpor had taken out one of the main defence towers of the city by this point. Yeah. Things were not going well. However, Constantius arriving pushed Shahpur back from his siege works, and the Persians retreated to a defensible position up a hill and built a camp a few miles down the road. Hill, good, get to the high ground. Exactly. Constantius, realising that this was a strong position for the Persians, hesitated for a bit, then ordered his troops into a defensible position themselves. So you've now got two camps up hills, a few miles between them. However, the Romans were tired and annoyed. They'd been chasing Shahpur around for a while now. They mm. just want to get this over with. So when Shahpur sends a small host against them to try and lure them out to yeah. attack Shahpur up the hill, yeah. you don't want to be attacking here. You want to be defending. Yeah. The Romans were frustrated, so they followed. Oh, idiots. It was hard to say what happened next. The sources claim that Constantius was unable to hold his forces back. 
because they were too eager to fight. Or maybe this is Constantius making a mistake and ordering the attack. Either way, it doesn't really look good on Constantius. However, it didn't actually go nearly as badly as it could have done. Good. The Roman charge was fierceful, and they actually managed to break the wall of the Persian camp. They quickly enter the fortifications. Once inside, they kill Sharpor's heir, possibly his brother, who, yes, has already been killed. (laughs) Sources are a bit hazy there. (laughs) So Sharpor's heir or brother, or both, are now dead, and the Romans are on a roll. Yeah. Yeah. However, for obvious reasons, the attack was a bad idea. Yeah. And it soon becomes apparent. Darkness is falling. And in the camp, there was no way to keep things organised. This is essentially a big brawl at this point. Yeah. It's yeah. a big brawl, but with walls keeping everyone in and Persians in elevated positions with bows. And it's in the towards night time. Yeah, so the Romans start losing men quickly and were forced to retreat, ending the fight in a bloody draw. Which is a shame, since they started off really quite well. Yeah. So, ups and downs for this, really. Well, it was a hill. It could... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really could have gone badly for the Romans, but actually, it didn't go too badly for them. No. They managed to draw. And at one point, it looked like the Persians were going to lose, but they managed to pull it back at the end. This this battle here really sums up the years of fighting that's been going on <laughs> yeah. between the two sides. They are too evenly matched to be fighting each other. No one's going to win this. So the two forces retreat. Sharpor then attempts to take Nisibis again, and again was repelled. Over the next few years, this cycle repeats. Over nine battles take place that we know of. Wow. Either side never manages to get a clear victory. Constantius could not put his enemy down, but nor did he crumble before the might of the Persian Empire. The exact order of what happened next is not really clear. But it's around this time that Constantius receives word that his brother, Constans, is dead. And some general had dared to claim the throne. Oh, yes. Yes, now this is Magnentius from last week. That was it. Who decided to usurp during a party. The costume party guy. Yes, Yes. (laughs) that's him. This, understandably, outrages Constantius. No one is allowed to kill a Constantinian, apart from him. (laughs) Apart from Constantinian himself. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> we'll kill each other till the cows come home, but no, <laughs> no one else. That's just too far! Yes. Constantius appears to have been trapped in a limbo, though. He obviously has to go west to defend, avenge, and defeat the usurper. But this fight with Sharpaw was far from over, and there's no yeah. end in sight. So, to his credit, he doesn't just abandon the east. So he's not impulsive, that's good. No. Yeah, he received word that Sharpaw was again advancing on Nisibis for the third time. Now, he had been to the city within the last couple of years to check on its defences, and they seemed quite strong. So he didn't feel the need to go to the city himself. However, he did not dare leave the whole east completely, just in case. So Constantius stayed in the east, but spent some time building an army to take west with him. Nice. While he, he had trusted generals doing the fighting. After a few weeks, news comes through to Constantius that Nisibis had yet again howled, and Sharpor had suffered a defeat. Yes. But better news comes through. Nomadic tribes were causing trouble on Sharpor's northern frontier. Hmm. So now we've got Sharpor and Constantius both with half an eye on somewhere else in their empire. So a sort of unspoken agreement seems to have been made <laughs> between the two. We're, we'll just leave this here. Yeah. We're all just go, just going to go and sort something else. We'll see, see you soon, all right? We left like one soldier each just to stare at each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the war's still on. This isn't a retreat. No. This is tactical redeployment. Yep. Jeff, you stay there mm-hmm. and watch him. 
Right. If he moves, no wait, no, if he moves, he, then go to the toilet. If he tries to attack you, attack him back. Yeah, but let us know as well. Yeah. Write a letter to us to let us know the war's back on, and then try not to die. And we'll send reinforcements in three to six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's a loaf of bread. Yeah. So that, that conversation took place, and Constantius and Sharpor both head back into their empires. Mm. Because Constantius had a usurper to deal with. Oh. Or should I say, usurpers. <gasps> oh, yes. <laughs> the shark. Yes, this part in my notes is called the three usurpers. Three? Three. Yes, we actually have three usurpers at this moment that Constantius has to deal with. The first one we know about, this is Magnentius. He yep. was in charge of the bodyguard that turned against Constans and had him killed. Yep. Magnantius then went about the province securing allegiance from the entire west. Most people weren't too happy about this, but what could they do? Magnentius yeah. had the sharp pointy things. You go along with it. The Danube, however, could do something. Because they had a lot of well-trained troops. They also had two other things. A popular general named Vetranio and Constantina, the sister of Constans Constantius and Constantine. So this is the Ooh. daughter of Constantine the Great. Nice. So, Vetranio was an experienced general who had proved himself loyal to the Constantinians throughout his life. What's his name? Vetranio. I'm Vetranio! Yeah. I was very, very flamboyant, very... That, that's what he was like. Yeah. That's, it's our first very Italian-sounding name, isn't it? It definitely is. Yeah. It sounds almost Shakespearean. Yes, it does. Sounds yeah. like it could be in a Midsummer Night's Dream or something. So, Ventranio, or if you want to pronounce it, Ventranio. Oh, yeah. 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 He was in the Danube area, in control of some of the toughest troops in the whole empire. They decide that Ventranio is now the emperor. Ooh. Yes. That's our second usurper. Now, Magnentius appears on some lists as an emperor. Yeah. For example, on the poster behind us here. Yeah. Magnentius is up there. In my mind, he is very, very much as a usurper. He's never officially recognised he's usurping. So he doesn't get his own episode. Ventranio appears on some lists. I think he's actually more of a legitimate emperor, for reasons we'll get into soon, not yet. But I'm still not counting him. Okay. For reasons you'll see soon. (laughs) Ironically, the one least likely to be included on any list based on our rules, really kind of should get an episode. But he's not. (laughs) Because he doesn't appear on any list. This is someone we've already come across. (gasps) If you remember back to the Purge, we had three children who were spared. Uh, Julian, Julius, N, and Gallus. Yes, now they're a bit older now. Late teens, early twenties. Julius Nepotianus, Julius N, happened to be in Rome. Rome, if you remember, did not like Constance. So they might have been happy with his downfall, but they were no more happy that one of his inner circle, Magnantius, was now in charge. Yeah. So Rome's still not happy. So they decide to throw their weight behind the cousin of the emperor in the east. So it'd be great, they thought. He can bring them back to prosperity. Rome yes. will be great again. They can <laughs> hold him. They can shape him. He's only young. Yeah. He's, uh, oh, he's dead. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, 28 days he lasted. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yes. And how how did he yeah. meet his end? Well, 28 days after Rome suggested that they might perhaps be backing the cousin of the emperor in the east, Magnentius just sent his troops in and slaughtered Julius and his gladiator bodyguard. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so, a bit sad. It's a bit sad. But because uh, 
the Senate in Rome backed him. You could argue we should have had an episode on him, but the Senate in Rome aren't really important anymore. No. So mm. we're not going to include him either. So back down to two usurpers now. Okay. Magnantius and Vitranio. <laughs> By now, Constantius was on the move, and he was heading into the Danubian area. Yeah. Magnentius attempted to buy his way into the approaching emperor's good graces. He minted coins saying that he was co-ruling with Constantius. That's just making it worse. <laughs> Don't do that. So you're not helping yourself here, Magnentius. You're really not. No. He also suggested a marriage pact. Constantius would marry <coughs> Magnentius's daughter, and Magnentius would marry Constantina, Constantius's sister. The response was a very stony silence. By this point, Constantius was even closer, in fact, approaching Vetranio's position, who was in the middle at this point. And what do you think happened? Death. Oh no. Pact to get down Magnentius. The two men appeared on a platform. Constantius publicly thanked the older man for his services and gave him retirement. Ventranio lived out the rest of his life comfortably, and the troops passed over to Constantius. Nice. Yes. But why? Did he put him there? Well, we've got options. We've got options. Option number one, I've called... Ah! I'm sorry! (laughs) This is Ventranio, seeing the strength of the Emperor, did a little poo in his pants, (laughs) and gave up straight away. Okay, what's the other option? Now... Possibility of this one is unlikely. Yeah, I'd, yeah, because he wouldn't have let him retire, would he? Well, we, yeah, for a start, he wouldn't have been so nice to him. And secondly, we do know that Constantius actually sent Ventranio money and possibly even a diadem at one point, suggesting that they were at least on speaking terms, if not full support. Money and a diadem. Yes. What's a diadem? A headband, but means you're king. Oh, okay. Not that they would have in any way phrased it like that. <laughs> we a, hate kings! A crown would perhaps a be crown. a better okay. way of saying it. Yes. So, that leads us on to option two. We call this one Constantius the Mastermind. <gasps> when hearing that Magnentius had killed his brother and taken the purple, Constantius wrote to his trusted general, Ventranio, informing him that he must hold the region at all costs. Nice. Do not let the Danube fall. We've got some good troops there. The only way to keep Magnentius, however, swaying the troops was to give them another Augustus to follow. Mm-hmm. So, would Ventranio claim the purple and lead the men to fight Magnentius until Constantius could extract himself from the war with Charpour? Yeah. Once Constantius arrived, power would be passed back to Constantius as planned. Takes a lot of trust, doesn't it? So, possibility of this one could be true, except for one small flaw. It all happened very quickly. Only six weeks passed from the death of Constance to the rise of Ventranio. Mm. It's unlikely Constantius would have had time to hear of the news, make the plan, send out the orders, and have them followed within those six weeks. That's true. Roger would have had to be very busy. Ooh. But it's not impossible. No, it's plausible. So that leads us to option three, Constantina the Mastermind. Ooh. Slightly different to option two. When Magnentius revolts, Constantina, sister of the three brothers, was in Sirmium. So the major city of the Danube provinces, where Constantius was born. Yeah. So she's there, and friendly with the well-respected and loyal general Ventranio. Friendly. 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 Got to, got to know him while yeah. she was in the city. Got to know him well. Perhaps. Who knows? 
So Constantina comes up with the plan of Ventranio usurping and reassures him that this will not be seen as treason because she'll let Constantius know her right. plan. Yes, which you can just imagine. That'll be fine. You, don't usurp, it's fine. Constantius will be fine with it. Really? What? <laughs> um, no, I sent him a letter. It'll be fine. I love it. I love it. It'll uh, be a great plan. Um... Yeah. So she then writes a very persuasive letter to her brother, Go who on. can do little but agree, saying that he it was actually a solid plan, it was already in motion, and Constantius was indeed tied up with Sharpo. Mm-hmm. So, which one of those do you think? Well, it's clearly number three. Yeah. It makes the most sense. It makes most sense that it's number three. It could be number two. could be mm, number three. Maybe a mixture of those two. Because um, you need that balancing factor. It's like you, you, you balance the other end of the empire. You keep that going while I sort that out, then, you know. Pass me the ball. Yes. So, I mean, if Ventranio was indeed counted as an emperor, which we're not, but if he did, he would only be the third emperor to retire voluntarily. Oh, that's true. Yes, after Diocletian and Maximian. I wouldn't call his retirement voluntary, though. That's a good point. Second. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, I'll retire. Yeah. In the same way politicians retire. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Same way Tony Blair retired. (laughs) Yeah. And Thatcher... Right, either way that it happens, Ventranio was now living a nice life, possibly growing cabbages. Oh. Usurper 2 is now down. Down for <laughs> one usurper. And he's got the whole army behind him now. Oh, yes. Constantius takes stock. He's about to fight a civil war in the west, and he had no help in the east, which he'd hardly left settled. I mean, he'd left Jeff in charge, so... Oh, <laughs> yes, he needed some help. What he needed was a Caesar. Mm. Not being the most trustworthy of people, Constantius decided, let's not use one of my generals. This needs to be a family member. Just got an image of him announcing this in his tent to his advisors, and there just being an awkward silence. Um, (laughs) They're all dead, sir. You killed them all off. Yeah, so a dusty family tree was pulled out from somewhere, and Constantius excitedly points out, Oh, look, look, look down there, look, I didn't kill all of them. There's still three cousins. I left three cousins. A slight cough. <clears throat> one of them died last month. Yes, uh, Julius, sir. Yes, he was the one usurping. He was cut in half. Fine, two cousins. I've got two cousins left. Which one of those is older? And it turned out to be Gallus. Okay. So this is the son of a man that Constantius had killed several years previously. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but he's family. Yeah. Yes. It's not the Mitchells, isn't it? <laughs> His family. Yeah. So he was taken out what was essentially house arrest and promoted to Caesar. (laughs) More good news, he's going to get a wife as well. A promotion and a wife. Ooh, okay. He's in fact going to marry Constantina. Constantina. Yes, well done you. Yeah, this is a bit interesting, isn't it? Whether this was Constantius suspicious of Constantina showing a lot of political ability... A little bit of savage. Yeah, yeah, that was quite a move she just pulled. So pack her off to the east, where she can either keep an eye on Gallus, because I was really impressed, or where Gallus can keep an eye on her, because actually that unnerved me how good she was. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. But he puts them both together and sends them off to Antioch. And off they go. We'll catch up with them later, because Constantius is finally ready to take on Magnantius. And Magnentius had not been idle. Magnentius had drawn up an army. Yeah. A large army. Constantius knew that this was not going to be easy. So he comes up with a cunning plan. Oh, yes. 
He realises that Magnentius... Fear of rabbits. Not rabbits, not fear of rabbits. More cunning than that. He realises... Foxes? No, not foxes. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to do with animals. Okay. He realises that Magnentius has control of the Rhine. And therefore has to defend the Rhine region. The Alamanni had been causing trouble there for some time, much to the distress of whomever was in control of the region. Wouldn't it be awful, thought Constantius, if the Alamanni started to cause trouble again along the Rhine? Now, we don't know this one for certain, but there is suggestion that Constantius sent word, promises, perhaps money, to certain Alamanni chiefs, encouraging them gently to just, why don't, why don't you do a spot of raiding? Go on, it's wide open. No, not not this way, that way. Over the Rhine, (laughs) over the Rhine, there you go. Yeah, why don't you do that? Not happy with just this scheming, however, Constantius then then sends off his Praetorian prefect, Philippus, to meet Magnentius in order to offer him terms of surrender. But in Mm -hmm. reality, this was a scouting mission, and Philippus was to report back what was going on and bribe as many people as possible. Yeah. Now, Magnentius seems to realise this because he did not let Philippus go, which did not please Constantius. However, it wasn't a complete waste of time, because whilst there, Philippus was able to talk to some of the generals, start whispering in their ears. One general, Silvianus, was convinced and decided to defect with a sizable number of troops. Due to this defection, the numbers were now suddenly clearly in Constantius' favour. Yes. Magnentius had approximately 36,000 men, Constantius had 60. Wow. Yes. (laughs) That's a heck of a difference. Yes. Now, what happens when you go into a battle facing overwhelming odds but a plucky spirit? Oh, you always win. No, you don't. You lose. Oh. You've, got, you've got half the number of troops. Of course you lose. <laughs> and Magnentius did indeed okay. lose. Yeah, he wasn't Caesar. Probably doing Julius, yeah. yeah. You just said that, sorry. <laughs> yes, I did. So like he's not a Caesar. Oh, yeah, no, no, he's, he's a... not Julius Caesar. No. Yeah. No, he's not going to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. No. Magnentius lost, but he did not die. He was one of the few that lived, however. Hmm. Of the 90,000-odd men on the field that day, approximately 50,000 died. This is one of the bloodiest battles in all of Roman history. That's a lot of death. It's a lot of death. We're going back to liters again, aren't we, now? Yes, we are. Half of Constantius' troops died. Two-thirds of Magnentius' died. Wow. Magnentius ran. He would. Constantius retreated. Both generals were far too damaged to do anything and seemed to be in a little bit of shock. The blood! <laughs> the blood! That was horrible! <laughs> I didn't think war would be like this. It's hell. Yeah. <laughs> it took Constantius ten months to recover, perhaps doing some light fighting against the recent barbarians of choice, the Sarmatians. Yeah. Uh, just to, to warm up. <laughs> yeah, just to warm up the newly recruited troops. That's what he was up to. Man. So by mid-352, Constantius then heads to Italy to find that Magnentius had abandoned the province. So Constantius takes some time to mop things up, and the Italians, no fan of Magnentius, were more than happy for Constantius to take the region over. So after resting in Milan for a while, Constantius then heads up north to chase the usurper down once and for all. This time, they meet in Monsalucus. We have very little details of this battle, but we can assume that Magnentius had scraped together some more men. Yeah. Magnentius' brother, however, was too caught up 
with the raiding Alamanni to help out. So Constantius's morally dubious methods were working. Magnentius couldn't get his reinforcements. Again, they meet in battle. Again, Magnentius loses. Again, Magnentius escapes. But this time he knew there was no coming back. As Zosimus says, in these circumstances, he preferred a voluntary death to a dishonourable life. And chose rather to die by his own hand than by that of his enemy. Topped himself. Yes, he fell on his sword. Which always sounds slightly accidental to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep it in your scabbard. <laughs> and when you put it on the floor, put it horizontally. Yes. <laughs> Don't wedge it up. Yeah. Yes. So, there we go. All three usurpers down. Constantius still in charge. He's doing quite well. And in fact, he's now the undisputed leader of the whole empire. Ooh, first time in a while. Yeah. Well since his father was. That's probably a few years ago, isn't it? A few years ago, yeah. He decided to take a bit of a break from the East, and as he was in the West, let's see how the West is doing. Not great, as it turns out. Apparently, most of the troops in charge of defending the Rhine were dead. Oh. (laughs) Due to the Civil War. Oh, dear. And reports kept coming in that there were loads of barbarians flooding over the Rhine. Some idiot had told them it was a really good idea to invade. <laughs> so, let's go and sort that out. <laughs> I want my money back. Unfortunately, however, it was while trying to sort this out that Constantius received some disturbing news from the east about his new Caesar, Gallus. Oh. The Praetorian prefect of the east had written to Constantius basically saying, Ah, what have you done? Gallus <laughs> is awful. And then died. Uh oh. Yeah. Now there's no suspicion as foul play of the Praetorian prefect's death, apparently, but um yeah, he just died around the point of telling the letter. Yeah. <laughs> he is awful. Ugh. It's a training pen line. Yeah. Roger, very diligent, took it anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gallus and Constantina seem to have settled into their new roles with ease. It turned out that Gallus really liked ruling, and Constantina really enjoyed pulling the strings in the background. We just don't have time this episode to go into all the details, because there are a lot, because this is where our new source, Amianus Marcellinus, comes in to play. Ah. And wow, we get a lot of detail all of a sudden. We've got details, Jamie. (gasps) Details. Yes. It's weird. We've gone from nothing to too much to fit into an episode. So I'm (laughs) just going to read you one quote to give you a flavour of what's going on. Oh, flavour. Gallus now began to arouse the fears of others also. As if cruelty were given free reign, some persons were adjudged guilty on a mere shadow of suspicion and condemned. Of these, some were put to death, others punished by the confiscation of their property and driven from their homes into exile, where, having nothing left save tears and complaints, they lived on the doles of charity. And sometimes it happened that if the head of a household, in the seclusion of his private apartments, with no confidential servant present, had whispered something into the ears of his wife, the emperor learned of it the following day. And so even the walls, and only the sharers of secrets, were feared. Ooh. Yes, the walls have ears. <laughs> yeah. Turning into a little bit of a police dictatorship yeah. by the sounds of things. Sounds a bit like um, Elizabeth I style, doesn't it? She, she had a... Oh, did she? Yeah. Uh, sort of, the, you know, they used to do propaganda portraits to, like, a, a portrait they give a lot of information about how awesome they were. 
with hidden messages. There's one of Lizzie the First that had on her dress like eyes on it as a message. Oh like, yes, no, I I've can seen see that. you. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's quite interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just assumed it was a peacock dress. <laughs> it probably was to be fair. <laughs> I was reading way too much into it. <laughs> It's like when you're trying to analyse Beatles lyrics, it's like, there's no point. No, there's really no point. Especially I am the walrus. Because <sighs> a, a yes. teacher in a local school tried to get the students to try and work out what they mean, they're so poetical. It's like, no, they don't mean anything. Look. And you release that as a... Literally, I just open a dictionary and I point and yeah. I take a lot of drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, tangent. <laughs> so, this message gets back to Constantius. He mulls it over for a while. He realised something has to be done. He had not fought in the East for over a decade for the East to revolt due to his cousin's lack mm. of ability to rule. It's just a training course. Rather than just trying to kill him and take him down, train him up. It's not Constantius's way. <laughs> <laughs> so he sent a replacement Praetorian prefect to the East. The last one had died. <laughs> Suddenly. Yes. To just just go, go East, find out what's going on. And also ask Gallus, just, just come back west for a bit. Just have a meeting. Ask him to come to Milan. We'll have a meeting. We'll sort this out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the Praetorian Prefect is called Domitianus. <laughs> and he headed off and eventually arrived in Antioch to find a very unhappy city. Domitianus, perhaps not a fan of Gallus to begin with, decided not to go to the Caesars straight away, but instead went to the Praetorian Prefect's offices and just stayed there, not seeing anyone. He apparently spent a lot of his time making notes and sending reports back to Constantius. <laughs> you really wouldn't like that, would you? <laughs> yeah. Slowly like people out the door with their ears pressed against it. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's writing something down. He looked at me. He looked at me and he wrote something down. Oh, God, he frowned. He frowned. <laughs> yeah, Gallus not happy at all. Eventually, Domitianus agrees to see the Caesar. I like that. That's power, though, isn't it? Oh, yes. Thing is. Yes, I will see you now. Absolutely. Exactly. This is clearly a power play yeah. from Domitianus here. So I quote here. At last, being invited to the palace and admitted to the council, without any preliminary remarks, he said inconsiderately and coolly, Depart, Caesar, and know that if you delay, I will at once order your supplies and those of your palace to be cut off. Having said only this, and although often sent for, he never afterwards came to Gallus's presence. So he just came in and went, go west, or else. And just walked out again. Oh, he's a badass. Can we do an episode on him? <laughs> It'd be short. <laughs> because oh. Gallus was very furious and ordered the man's arrest. A hastily organised mob was created and seized the Praetorian Prefect, dismembered him, and threw his remains into the river. Perhaps he pushed it a bit too far, the whole power play thing. Yeah. He's dismembered. Dismembers never a good thing. No. You don't want your members dissed. <laughs> you really don't. Certainly not. No. Now, there are some other things going on here. For time reasons, I'm not going to go into them. But to sum it up, let's just say Domitianus wasn't the only high-up Roman official killed at this time. Oh. There was a purple robe found at some point. <gasps> And using these two facts, Gallus was able to spin a story saying that he was defending himself from a coup. So that's why Domitianus died. Yeah, it was all very ridiculous. A hasty cover-up. Oh dear. So, he realised perhaps he'd gone too far. Someone had been yeah. sent to investigate what he was doing, and he just got rid of them. That's terrible. You really don't do that. No. No. That's not how you get rid of a cover-up. <laughs> no. So, Constantius was not impressed. 
He and his advisors, however, realised that just ordering Gallus back to Rome was not going to work. Gallus was going to panic and might actually revolt. Yeah. So, Constantius creates a cunning plan. First, he invites one of Gallus's most powerful advisors to the east to talk about the ongoing preparations for the inevitable rematch with Shahpur. So that just gets rid of one of his advisors. Nice. It's weakening him. Yeah. With that advisor gone, Constantius then writes to his sister, saying how much he wanted to see her again. It'd been too long, etc. Excellent. We've got to exchange Christmas presents. It's June. <laughs> yeah, come on, it's time we met up. That kind of thing. Yeah. As everything seemed to have been okay for a while, Gallus, admittedly a bit nervously, agreed to go, and the Caesar and his wife travelled west. However, by the time they get to Bithynia, Constantina was ill and oh. died suddenly, oh. leaving Gallus's strongest connection to the emperor severed. Oh dear. <laughs> Gallus is now very nervous, to say the least. Now again, there's no suggestion here that Constantina was ill, shall we say, <laughs> um, but uh, her, her death is suspicious. It's cracking timing, isn't it? It is cracking timing. Did her jaw melt away? <laughs> there was nothing. After, after drinking wine, because that's a clue. <laughs> There's nothing to suggest that, and there is actually detailed source on this time that would okay. have suggested it, so probably not, to Aww. be fair. But who knows? Who knows? Right, so Gallus is now very unsure about carrying on this journey. Constantius wanted to see his sister. Well, she's dead now, so there's no point carrying on, yeah. is there? He was particularly fearful of Constantius because, and I quote here, Constantius, being especially inclined to the ruin of his kin, would secretly set a snare for him and punish him with death if he caught him off his guard. See, Gallus wasn't stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least not completely stupid. No. Because Constantius had graduated from Cunning University, Cunningshire, and set phase two of his plan off. Ooh. He sent another letter, and another letter, and another letter, all saying things along the lines of, We need to mourn your wife, my sister, together. I need to see you, cousin, at a time like this. We are the last of the Constantinians. What, a, what about Julian? Who? We're the last of the Constantinians. We, we've got to get together. And anyway, I, I've got a secret to tell you. No, no, I can't write it down. Let's just, let's just say I've been reading the history books, and I particularly like the part where Diocletian raised his Caesar to join him as Augustus, if you get me. Nudge, wink, nudge, wink, 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 yeah. <laughs> Blinded by either greed, fear, or stupidity, or all three, yeah. this actually works, and Gallus decides to carry on his journey. He heads to Milan. I would be so disappointed. <laughs> oh, he really that. is. <laughs> On the way, he did find it a bit odd that whenever he reached a city or a camp, everyone looked the other way. <laughs> sort of shuffled their feet a bit. Why is there a guy following you with a gong? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing How's here? That? But it was very odd that all the troops were always out on training missions whenever he passed through anywhere, <laughs> almost as if he was being denied any chance whatsoever of raising some troops. <laughs> but never mind, I'm sure, sure it'll be fine. Well, let's just carry on. Why is everyone wearing black? Yeah, the occasional scream of, Watch out, Gallus, it's a trap! <laughs> <laughs> Didn't put him off at all. <laughs> By the time he got to put... <laughs> Praise old woman. 
Beware the death that awaits. Only <laughs> death awaits you in Rome. Or where are you going? Pannonia, it's Pannonia! Only death awaits you in Pannonia. <laughs> yes, because when he got to Pannonia, Constantius's agent stopped all pretense. He was seized <laughs> and held by men loyal to Constantius. He was promised that he wouldn't be harmed. And then he was taken into a room and questioned. <laughs> Questioned over what was going on in Antioch. It was not long before Gallus was admitting that he had, yes, ordered the deaths of innocent people that he just didn't like, but only, he insisted, only because Constantina had forced him to do it. Oh, nice. Sort of nice. Blaming the Empress' sister is not really oh, yeah. the best tactic. Yeah, good point. When word got back to Constantius, he was furious and ordered the death of his Caesar. And I quote, Accordingly, his hands were bound, after the fashion of some guilty robber, and he was beheaded. Then his face and hands were mutilated, mm -hmm. and the man, who a little while before had been the terror to cities and provinces alike, was left a disfigured corpse. Goodbye, Gallus. Mm. Small detour now to Athanasius. Oh, yeah. Yes. We last saw our travelling bishop returning to Alexandria after his second exile last week. He had the backing of the emperor and could start wor working on converting Alexandria to the side, the right side of Christianity, as he saw it. Yeah. Good old Antiarius. The, the literal side. Yes. However, Constans then died. Mm. Athanasius was out of powerful supporters, and Athanasius knew that Constantius would be gunning for him. However... There was a new emperor in the West who also was probably an anti-Aryan, Magnentius. So why not see if he could help there? Um. However, before envoys could arrive from Magnentius, there seemed to be a meeting about to be set up. A letter appeared in Athanasius's room from Constantius. <laughs> it was all very polite, apparently. It was along these lines. Yes, Constans is dead. Magnentius might want to talk to you. But why would you want to talk to him when I said you can be bishop? Hmm. I agreed that with my dead brother, who is dead, <laughs> died not long ago, not long at all. Are you impressed how quickly I can get someone to you to deliver this letter, of course? Death. Yeah. <laughs> Said something along those lines, yeah. I think. Very passive-aggressive. Do you think Roger will be confused? Like, why are you being a sorter? <laughs> <laughs> Just give her the letter and then stand there looking menacing. I'm not sure I can do medicine. <laughs> I give it my damnedest. <laughs> I look t attentive <laughs> and eager. Some people say my tentative, eager stare scares them sometimes. I do that, do that. It's fine. <laughs> Stroke the knife. So a lot of church infighting then happened that we don't have time to go into, but Constantius was very much involved, at one point locking another prominent anti-Aryan up, starving him for six days and then strangling him. Oh. Yes. This is Paul of Constantinople. Very similar story to Athanasius. I could have followed him instead of Athanasius yeah. to give you a flavour of what was going on with the church, but Athanasius lasts a bit longer, so I went for him okay. instead. Yeah. But Athanasius would have heard this and gone, oh dear, <laughs> this is not... Start packing again. <laughs> yeah, it's time, time to pack up again. Constantius, as we've said, Arian supporter himself, not an extreme one, and he may need to be trying to silence the hardliners. It, it, yeah, the Easterners. Yeah, the Easter Bunny on one side, yeah. but Athanasius very much on the other. Yes. Yes. So in 356, Constantius then sent a new dux, dux, duke into Alexandria with a small force and took the churches belonging to Athanasius. Athanasius went into hiding, 
To begin with, he was able to hide in the city himself, but was soon forced to find a better hiding place. <laughs> now, Egypt, although a relatively peaceful province since the time of Augustus, was a little bit odd. Because when people talked of Egypt, they really meant Alexandria. Yeah. That, that's the one place to be. Alexandria was Hellenized and then Romanized. It was the urban hub. Mm. The rest of Egypt was seen as separate in many ways. Yeah. But as long as Alexandria could collect the grain and the taxes off them, it was kind of left alone. Yeah. So Athanasius decides this would be the best place to hide. So exile number three does not take place in Europe, but up the Nile. Uh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> which, which sounds painful. It does. Yes. Possibly hiding behind a sphinx. That was undiscovered at that point, wasn't it? Because it was still buried. Sphinx only found like the 1800s. Yeah, but when out. was it covered? We are a long that's time true. ago. Maybe that's, that's when they covered it. Yeah. He buried himself in the Yes, sphinx. maybe. <laughs> Allied with this cat thing. <laughs> Keep he, digging. He, tried, he tried to chisel away something, the nose fell off. That yeah. explains that part. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Sorted. So we'll leave Athanasius there this week. He is. In exile still. Excellent. Yeah. So, now, back to our main story. All is not well. Another usurpation is on the horizon. Oh. Constantius's advisers claim that Silvianus... Now, we have mentioned him before. He was the one who changed sides just before the battle with Macmentius. Yeah. Yes. Gave him the extra soldiers. That's the one. Well, Constantius's advisers told Constantius that Silvianus was plotting a revolt. They did not like this general. They still saw him as the enemy, even though he changed sides. So do you think it might have been accurate? Well, Constantius was not convinced. There was very little evidence, so he set up an inquiry. However, news gets through to Silvianus that an inquiry has been set up. <laughs> and he takes one look at the word inquiry and the word Constantius and, and realises that this is essentially a death sentence yeah, okay. and starts to panic. So he sets out a plan to flee across the Rhine and seek refuge with those barbarian chieftains that he'd made some alliances with. Fair enough. However, someone then points out, close to him, that they, the barbarians will probably just hold him, send him back to the emperor to get some cash, and that way he will look very guilty. Mm. So Silvianus changes his mind. Seeing it is his only chance of survival, he figured he might as well commit the treason that he was being accused of. Fair enough. And declares himself emperor. Why not? I'm emperor. Yes, I didn't want to do it, but fine. However, this seems to have been a, almost like a split-second decision. He'd paid the troops a mere two days before, under Constantius's name. Yeah. So he told the troops, here is your pay from the great emperor Constantius. If he was about to revolt, he wouldn't have done that. So this was a snap decision. Yeah. And perhaps he was regretting this coup. Oh, damn it. <laughs> and was therefore very relieved to find a letter from the emperor stating that he wanted to meet to clear the charges of treason and to give him a post more suited to his abilities. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, well, for Gallus, did it? Yeah. Ignore. Ignore, Gilbert. <laughs> Is it Gilbert? Yeah, Gilbert the Gong. Yeah. The gong. <laughs> yes. I couldn't find Roger, so I sent Gilbert with the, the letter. <laughs> yeah. I love my job. <laughs> Dong. <laughs> The fact that the message was sent with his replacement... <laughs> you didn't tell him that, did he? <laughs> I mean, replacement, sir! But no, this was someone else. This is actually the advisor who had been summoned from the West, who was working under Gallus, ah. who I mentioned very briefly. Didn't say his name because it's a very name-heavy episode, so you don't really need to know his name. Right. But yeah, this is the old advisor. He was no fan of Constantius. No. 
So the person who was okay. sent up to inform Sylvianus of this did not like Constantius. Okay. So Sylvianus thinks, well, if this was a trick, then the general replacing me would tell me, because I know yeah. he doesn't like Constantius. So Sylvianus then just starts moaning about how rubbish Constantius is, but relieved that his usurpation wasn't noticed, yeah. decides he'd best go and meet up with the emperor. Now, our source... Amianus was actually on this trip, going north. His commander was on strict orders to make it seem like Silvianus was perfectly safe going south. They soon realised that although Silvianus might have been fooled, his troops were ready to mutiny. So I quote, Amid this perplexing distress of spirit, we kept casting about in secret investigation for some plan likely to have results. And in the end, after often changing our minds through fear, we resolved to search with the greatest pains for discreet representatives. Accordingly, the matter was arranged through some common soldiers as go-betweens, as just as sunrise was reddening the sky, a sudden group of armed men, fired by the expectation of rewards, burst forth. And, as usually happens in critical moments, made bolder by slaying the sentinels, they forced their way into the palace, dragged Sylvianus from the chapel, where he had in breathless fear taken refuge, while on his way to the celebration of a Christian service, and butchered him with repeated sword thrusts. Ah. So in the end, not so subtle. No. 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 Just stabby, death. stabby. Stabby, stabby. Yeah. But that's usurpation number four down. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes. Okay. So, Constantius then realised that the Empire was not really that stable. Those bloody Alamanni were still coming across <laughs> for some reason. So he really needed a, Sil- a Caesar to help him out. Something happened to the last one. He couldn't quite remember what. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I need a Caesar. Yeah. Who better, he declared, than one of his family members. <coughs> They're all... Dead. So the family tree was dusted off again. Oh look, look! Declared Constantius. Very happy. Ooh. There's a name. There's still one name. I've, I've still got one left. Zoom in on Julian and then fade to a young man reading a book. Now we're going to save the details on Julian until next week because yes, he is our next episode. Ooh, okay. But let's just say for now that he was bookish, unexperienced and untested. Oh dear. Constantius made him Caesar without listening to a word of protest that Julian may have had, and then <laughs> threw his new heir right into the deep end. Apparently the Alamanni thought it was okay to be invading, for some reason, he yeah. said. <laughs> Go up north and sort that out, would you? Um. All you need to know for this week is that Julian defied expectations and did amazingly well. Oh. Constantius couldn't fight himself because he was heading east. He had recently received a note from Sharpur demanding all the land that he had recently lost back. Now, obviously, the answer to this was going to be a no, mm. but actually this was just Sharpur saying, Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> Round two! <laughs> you go out to play. <laughs> yes. So, Constantius heads east. He couldn't help but dwell on the fact that his young cousin was making a name for himself up north yeah. while he was being forced east. Was he jealous? Just a little bit, yes. So, east he goes, ready to take on the Persian threat. However, after some setbacks against Sharpur, Constantius then realised he needed reinforcements. So, he pulls out a map and wondered, where can I get some extra troops from? Ah, yes, this will do Gaul, where the popular Caesar is. Let's take all his troops off him. Julian, and we're going to cover this his side next week, (laughs) did not take kindly to this and revolted. Ooh, ooh. Yes, 
His troops declared him Augustus, and we, like I say, we'll look into exactly how that happened next week. Constantius, understandably troubled by this, was unable to do anything about it. Yeah, that one backfired, didn't it? Yes. He was unwilling to move from the east until it was stable enough, much like when Magnentius revolted. Yep. So, all credit to him there. Yet again, he didn't yeah. just run off hot-headed. He realised he had yeah. had to look after the empire. He couldn't just run around. <laughs> so, Constantius was on the verge of battle with Sharpor when news came through. Julian had taken Italy, Illyricum, and was close to taking Constantinople. Ooh. Constantius was shocked at the speed of this, but still could do nothing. Sharpor was just over there, and the largest Roman and Persian battle in a century was about to take place. Oh. Only it was not. Oh. The next morning, Constantius awoke to news that Sharpor had packed up and gone home. How come? His priest telling him it was not auspicious to attack. What? Yes, so he just went, no, I'm not feeling this. Yeah, I... <laughs> the aura is not quite right. No, no, no. Our crystals are just not... I, I, I'll try again next year. It's fine. No rush. I, mean, I live forever. <laughs> when Mercury ascends, that's when I'll try. Yeah. I can just imagine Constantius, though, talking to his advisors. No, I, I can't. I can't go fight Julian. That's, can't you see the enemy? Oh, waiting for... Oh. Were they gone? Uh, <laughs> I swear they were there yesterday. Two, two minutes ago. <laughs> Turn my head. Oh. Oh, well, fair enough. This leaves Constantius finally free to face the latest usurper, little bookish Julian. Off they set, heading with speed towards Constantinople. Constantius ordered his men to pack up. He coughed a little bit and loosened his collar a little bit. He was feeling a bit warm. Mm. And off they go, as you may have got there. <clears throat> Constantius is ill. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And the more they travelled, the worse it got. It soon came, became clear to all that he was dying. Although on death's door, he still had his wits about him, and he asked to make his will be known. Fetch Gilbert. <laughs> Bring in the gonga. He would name his successor. Oh, oh. I name my successor my closest living male relative. Huh? Yeah, I can just imagine that awkward silence. But what, the usurper? The one we're trying to kill. No, not him, obviously. No, no, skip him, the next one. There's no one left, Constantius. You've killed them all. You've killed everyone. Oh, dear. Yes, no, no, he did name Julian his successor. Really? Yes, but why? Stability. Well, yeah, He's possibly. Got the empire, yeah, maybe he was impressed with the young man. Now he no longer needed to be jealous. Facing death's mortal coil... <laughs> strip petty things like jealousy away from you, I'm guessing. So maybe you saw it in a, a different light and went, you know what? He seems to be doing a decent job. Mm. Yeah, so maybe yeah. maybe let him just go for it. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. So maybe it's that. Or maybe he's just obsessed with a Constantine being on the throne. Yes, that's true. Yes, it's got to be a family member, family even if pride. I hate him. Yeah. Yeah. So, at the age of 44, leaving everything still up in the air, Constantius died. Gong. <laughs> Gong. Gong. Yay! <laughs> God, but you've got to stop cheering when you do that. <laughs> Ruins the move, man. Yeah. So there you go. He's dead. Yeah. Quite impressive, actually. Yeah, it's... It's, uh, it's sort of... Yeah. Ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Let's have a look at it. Yeah. Fightius Maximus. Maximus. He fought a lot of Sarmatians and other barbarians over the course of his reign, 
and always beat them back. Yeah. Looking to the east, he kills Sharpaw's brother yes. in a battle, as he was Caesar. He also kills Sharpaw's brother again, or his heir, in another <laughs> battle. <laughs> I'm sure I've done you before. Yeah. Weird thing of deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, he fights Sharpaw over a decade and never loses. Yeah. Yeah? I was thinking, yeah, okay. Which is fairly impressive. The Persians are strong at this point. Yeah. So, he holds back that invasion. And he does alright for himself. He also puts down four usurpations. That's Admittedly, true. only one of them with battle. So, we'll only count that one. So, that's Magnentius's usurpation. He puts down... In a series of, of quite large fights. He won every single one. But, so that's quite impressive. Yeah, it's not bad. So bad. He couldn't beat the Persians. Yeah, he didn't lose against the Persians, <laughs> but he couldn't beat yeah. them. It was stalemate all the way through, which isn't great. His victory over Magnentius was a victory, but ooh, it was a painful one. Oh, bloody one. My goodness. Yes. 50,000. Yeah, really not great. So, um... That, that just highlights his battliness. He's not a hugely well-known one for his battliness, but... I feel like he should be. I'd argue he's done more fighting than most other emperors we've ever covered. Just yeah. for the sheer length of time he's constantly fighting. He just doesn't have any outstanding victories. That's true. And he didn't beat his last usurper, though. Well, no, but he doesn't lose. He died of a natural illness. It's true, he didn't beat him. And you could say... <laughs> But by naming his, the usurper his successor, he was no longer a usurper on his death. He was just his successor. Yeah, that's true. Maybe only for five minutes, but <laughs> that title has changed. Julian was not a usurper, yeah. so that usurpation had been put down. True. Yeah. Five minutes with a gong. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's it's strong. It's I'm, impressive. Yeah. But there's no, like, big standout victories. No, it's a lot of stalemates. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because you, you, you'd be in, like, a wall. You know, a wall doesn't necessarily fall on the enemy, but prevents them from coming through. <laughs> that's a very good point, yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go for a seven. I was thinking along those lines. Yeah, I don't. I think eight and nine and certainly no, ten. Not, You've no. got to be winning clear winning. victories. Yeah. But he's... Fighting tough enemies and he's yeah. keep going for a long time. Yeah, seven. I'm going for seven. What are you going for? I'm gonna go for a six, only because, like I said, he no big wins. Fair enough. He beat yeah, beat the barbarians, and he beat his usurpers, and uh, also good politically fighting. He's pretty good at that. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, we'll come to that in successes. Um. So, I'm, but I'm gonna go for six because no massive, massive wins. So it's thirteen. Approvium crazy. Okay, that's like the obvious big one here. Yeah. He wiped out his whole family. Yeah. <laughs> you can argue that's a negative, yeah. It really is. This is a simple power grab. He killed all the grown males in his extended family, apart from his two brothers. And he kept on going. <laughs> oh, yeah, it didn't end there, did he? Because he then did kill Gallus. And he was trying to kill Julian. And the only reason why Julius wasn't targeted, because yeah. he got himself killed. Yeah. I'll quote, They were silenced by the furious clamours of the soldiers, who declared themselves at once their enemies, their judges, and their executioners. Ooh. Get the sense of this just being a bloody night massacre. Y yes. It's cold, it's ruthless. It's possibly the single biggest Aprobium Crazium event we have had in a long True. time. 
because it's not like an ongoing persecution thing. No, it's but a... just a one thing that happened once. Yeah, it's a big one. It's true. In fact, look at our history in this country. The princes in the towers always held up as one of the biggest that's things. That's only two it's princes. The third thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, this, this is, is a whole yeah <laughs> a whole family. <laughs> yeah, so. It's big. It's big. It is. Um, the only other major things, some of his advisors he kept were a bit, um, let's say, mean. <laughs> One was called Paulus, but everyone called him The Chain. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yeah. It just looked like we're back. That yeah. was why it was either that or Formula One. Yeah. <laughs> it's possibly... Because he loved chaining people up and torturing them. After Magnentius's usurpation was put down, Constantius sent the chain to sort out Britain. <laughs> oh. He could just sit, get the chain up here. I need to talk to him. So off to Britain, the chain goes. The terrified vicar of Britain. I'm seeing Church of England more than ever now. Yeah. <laughs> little vicar, little village. Yeah, <laughs> little parish somewhere. <laughs> it's we're in Sussex. Yeah, he's busy adding a bit of honey to his tea. <sighs> Looks out the window and there's the chains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, the vicar of Britain, realising that this is a bad thing. He's a bad man. <laughs> he's a bad, bad man. Yes. Pulls out his sword... And attempts to attack the chain. I've got an image of a brody. Yeah. <laughs> the chain easily avoids the blow, and the vicar, in terror by this point, kills himself, <laughs> rather than face the torture of the chain. Oh dear. Yeah, so the, the fact that he's got someone like that about him, I think maybe, maybe some points there. Um, his Aryan views... Put him at odds with the west of the Empire, okay. but I think that's scraping the barrel a bit, because... The east of the empire loved him for it, so mm. I think we. Can and that's really where he started that. off as well. So. Yeah, but this one's a big one. He encouraged the Alamanni to attack <laughs> fellow Romans. Less, well, no, it's crazy, but definitely opprobrium. That's that's just not a good thing. It works do. though. Oh, it works. It helps him out in the, in the short term. <laughs> it worked, but oh, it was cold. Yeah, that is that's Roman lives being killed. Mm. Not just the soldiers he was fighting, that would have been the towns of his citizens being attacked and raided, because he let it happen. He encouraged it to happen. Well, yes. So, um, that's, uh, that's not good. It's good saying, well, he's clearly not insane, because he was cunning and crafty. His letters tricking Sylvianus and Gallus show that he was not crazy, he could plot along with the best of them. But maybe you should be getting some plotting evil twirly moustache points. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I think he's done fairly well there. Mm. But what do you think? Um, I'm going to go for a good healthy five, I think. Because he's got... You're only going for five? Well, seriously? Yeah, but like people like Caligula just killed like hundreds of thousands of random people in the street because they looked at him the wrong way. He just, to be fair, killed his family, but it's a relatively small amount compared to, say... Caracalla, who wiped out an entire town because they said his brother's name. Yeah, but he got ten. Yeah. <laughs> and deservably so. I think he was quite intense and a bit paranoid. Bearing in mind Nero, who just loved to dance, and, okay, did some crazy stuff. Tried to kill his mum. He did, but that's just his mum. Exactly, trying to kill his mum. We gave him loads for that. Whereas Constantius killed his entire family. Okay, I got to... Okay, for his seven. 
So I was thinking eight myself. Really? Yeah. I'm not going higher than seven. I mean, I'm not feeding it for. He ordered barbarians to attack his own land. He killed his own family, and he had an advisor called the Chain <laughs> sent around. Oh yeah, for that. He's a vicar's. Yeah. In the in the parish after pruning a bush. I, I'm certainly way above five territory. And if you want to go five, you go five. No, I, no, I, no. I'll go, I'll go for seven. I will go you're for going seven. For seven. But if you're going for eight. Actually, no, I'll come down to seven as well. No, no, I think no, that I eight was that. a reaction to your five. I was horrified how long <laughs> you were going. I'll go for seven as well. We'll both go for seven. That gives him a very healthy 14 for Probrium Crazy. Mm. Successes Ultimus! Okay, he kept his empire relatively stable despite many attempts of invasion and usurpations. Yeah, that's true. Like his brothers, he didn't really de- seem to do much in the way of reforming things, as his father had already done that. So it's kind of nothing much happens, but things do tick along. And he was more popular east and west than his two brothers were. Mm. He was around longer, I guess, wasn't he? Wasn't yeah, he was around longer, and people seemed to like him. I travelled a lot. Yes, he did. It's pointed out that it is very hard to follow a great man. And he followed someone called The Great. That's true. And didn't really mess it up. No, it's true. However, he hardly set the Roman world alight with his achievements. Could we give him some points in this category for his crafty letter writing? Did it aid the empire? Because to me, that's more of a fighty. Oh, it's okay. It's for, for, for that's why I gave him a point for Fair that. Fair enough. So I, um, I don't think I can. Yeah, I, I think he's slightly better than his brother, but it's still not amazing. No, I, in uh, my head, it's five. Yeah, I might go for six. Didn't we give his brother five? five? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go for six for this I'll one. I'll give him five. Okay, that's 11 for success as Ultimus. Image of You probably know what he looks like. Do I? Not because you should, but because he's Constantius, brother of Constance and Constantine. Oh, so exactly the same as the others. Oh, they are very interchangeable, yes. All right, so just a generic face. Generic face. Slightly poofy hair. In fact, I'm looking at my notes now and I'm actually worried that I forgot to change one of these and that is actually Constance. No, I don't think it is. The one on the right's definitely him. There you go, that's what he looks like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost a carbon. Do you think they even bother to change the statues? Like, well, they look so similar, just keep yeah. them the same. Just keep them the same, that would We'll change do. the paint on the hair. To be fair, he looks slightly older in that one, because he lived older yeah. than his brothers. And the one on the left does have yeah. a broken nose, so... I'm going to give him exactly the same as his brothers. Yeah. So I believe that was three apiece. Yeah, so. I'll give him the same. Okay. Uh, looks interchangeable. So, six. Oh, divided by four, which is 1.5. Yeah. Okay, last round then. Temple completed. Oh, it's good. Good, like 15 years, I get my head. 15 years? Yeah. Oh, a bit longer than that. Oh, really? 20. Bit 29. 40. Less 57 that. years. 73 years, two months, and four days. He's no sharp or two. Okay. No. But 337 to 361. Wow. Yes, a very healthy 24 years. One of our best nice. ever. So if we add all those up, I think he's going to do all right, you know. Yes. That is a very impressive. You know, I, I, when we did this, it's like, I wonder which ones I've never really heard of yeah. actually do really well. And yeah. I think this is one of them. Yeah. We have a very impressive 42.51. Wow. Which puts him in ninth place. Wow. That is not bad at all. That is just behind Hadrian and just above Marcus Aurelius. That's pretty good. He's up there with some good names yeah. there, isn't he? Okay. 
Not to put the pressure on, but if we don't give him Genet Caesar, he will be the highest scoring person without it. Well, the, I, this is going to be a genuine conversation. Yeah, I think. it's a, it's an interesting one. So let's let's do it. Do they have a certain Genet Caesar? Now, this genuinely is one mm. where I'm not sure. I'm not sure as well. I could go either way on this. I mean, tend to just flip the coin just straight away. But I think we should let's discuss it let's first. Let's discuss then, it. Then we'll decide. Right. I, I'm erring on more side of yes. I think I might be as well. But what's holding me back is that he doesn't do any one major thing you can point no. at and go, oh wow, that was amazing. No, that's true. Um, but the, the things, the standout highlights of his life killed his entire family. Always a standout highlight of life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you could argue. Yeah. Um, he, he, kept, he held back the Persians who were very strong at the time. Yeah, that is good. He also held back the barbarians. He beat four usurpers, which I don't think anyone else has done. Oh, that's an interesting High question. profile, that amount of usurpers. I, yeah, I'm not sure if anyone has faced down four usurpers. Argue five with Julian if you're being technical. Mm. But um, you could also take away one for Valenti Valentino. Well, well actually, he, no. Mm. That whole episode was very impressive, though. That's true, yes. Yeah, that was impressive. And the way, just the story of getting Gallus back mm. yeah, yeah. was a good story. You see, he does have the advantage of having a good source around him. That is true. Because you get a bit of detail and it's, it's a bit more interesting. Um, I'd be willing to give it to him if you are. I'm willing to give it to him, yeah. So are we going to say yes? I think we're going to say yes. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. One, two, three. Hey! hey! Oh, well done to Constantius too. Yeah, that's quite impressive. Come out from nowhere. I've certainly never really thought to rate you, but no one no. went diving into it. But he's an emperor. I think you'd talk about it with other people. I think you would. I definitely think you would. So he now has Gene Caesar. So he's in the Colosseum. He's in the Colosseum with his father. <gasps> I'd love that. Yeah. Mm. Well done, him. Right. And next week we get to see what this little Julian's all about. Oh, little Julian. I'm going to uh, just a little teaser for you. Oh? He's many people's favourite emperor. Really? Yes. I'll just leave that there. I personally think that might be source bias. We actually have a source about him, so it's interesting. But we'll go into the details next week and we'll see okay. if he deserves it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So that just leads us to thank our new senators. Stachnik, 55. John Lang, 92. March Mike J. Scoot. <laughs> Scoot. Scoot Droland, I think that is. Scooch, Scooch Droland, 97. Don't know who that is. Don't know who that is. Um, um, and. <laughs> and Scott. <laughs> yeah, just Scott. And um, um, RM Camera 1. Oh. Yes, so thank you, all of Yeah, thank you very much. We really appreciate that. And no, you can't hear the improved sound quality. Because it would appear that both Jamie and I are completely incompetent when it comes to wires. Yeah. Oh, but if, if you're a listener and you know anything about technology, we get this weird buzzing sound. So if you please let us, like, background hum that we can't get rid yeah, of. Yeah, we have a mixing desk, we have many wires, we have... Stands. Not too many wires, it's direct, direct input into the... It's DI'd into the mixing thing. <laughs> Is this the point of the podcast where we, <laughs> we list our technical difficulties? <laughs> technical difficulties, so let's rank him. Um, but if you have any idea what sort, please let us know. Leave yeah. a photograph for you if you want. But yeah, yeah. thank you. So hopefully, 
We're hoping to use it this week. We've even named the new microphone Romulus. Romulus. Yeah, but he's sitting on the desk over there looking sad. (laughs) Yeah. So hopefully next week you'll hear an improved quality and sound. Romulus in action. Yes. Don't forget you can join our Facebook page where we post stuff, images mainly, and everything else, ranking cards that Rob makes. You can find us on Twitter. And we've also got a WordPress site as well. Yes, which is actually up to date, sort yeah. of. Well, almost yeah. up to date. Yeah. Yes, doing well. Yeah. Um, and you can download us on iTunes, Podbean and Stitcher. Yes, and please, please do go and leave a review on iTunes. I know many of you are, and it really helps spread the news. So if you can't contribute to the Senate, understandably, a review on iTunes would be fantastic. So that just leads our... Regular sign-off. Regular sign-off. Gong. 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 Wonderful that you've made it. So, so this is it coming up. This is the hiss. No, but it's more of a, a crackle. Well, yeah. you'll hear it in a second. Yeah, listen. listen. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, oh, isn't it nasty? Yeah, it's not good, is it? Oh. Yeah. So, if you know how to fix that, um, just just follow the sound of our voice until you get yeah. to us, and then you can set it up for us. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So it's this way. This way. This way. Over here. Over here. Over here. Come over here. Quick.